listening to the podcast of Williamsburg Christian Church, a community of faith joining God's pursuit of restoring lives. We hope you enjoy this week's podcast. As the plates are coming forward, I just want to mention that the carpet smells nice. Because it looks nice. And so, uh, just in case you're wondering, the money for this carpet was raised outside of our general offering budget. So people felt the burden to replace the carpet, not just because of purely aesthetics, but it was, it was all lumpy and it was getting to the point where we had people falling and it just it needed, to be, it needed to be taken care of. So this, this carpet was raised outside of our offering time. And so thank you for those who contributed above and beyond um, as an additional offering to get this carpet done. We're going to enjoy the nice carpet and the way it looks. Um, it matches well and it's very functional and we're very grateful And uh, if you are high by the end of this gathering, I apologize in advance. (laughs) But this is liable to be the best sermon you've ever heard. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I said that in church. (laughs) Emergency elders meeting after service. Uh, For those who uh, joined us in Vacation Bible School at Grove, I I just have to do this. It was 100 degree weather and it was 110 heat index. Uh, it It was crazy hot, but it was crazy, crazy good, wasn't it? It was, wasn't it good just to see our kids. We, we took our VBS to, to kids. We took our precious kids and, and, and our precious VBS for one day and, and took it to Grove's precious kids so they could share in it because we're a privileged people and we can have VBS. And they're not as privileged and they don't have VBS and so we took it to them. And that was a beautiful thing, because uh, our kids got to play with kids they might not have ever played with before. Um, Garrett did a phenomenal job sharing the gospel. Um, those who worked on the big idea, specifically Penny and Aaron, did a phenomenal job putting it all together so that the gospel could be communicated in a way uh, that the kids could understand. And I can't mention all the names, and you know why I can't mention all the names? Because there were so many people there from our church family. So, on that note, if you were there, you'll probably be able to tell who they are because they're really tan today. Um, and slightly red, but if you were there, if you would just go ahead and stand, just go ahead and stand, please, because it was hot and it was sweaty. Thank you. Look at that. And that's just first service, and so we give God the praise and the glory, but we also tell you thank you as well, because that's the way the family of God is. We, we encourage one another, and we give thanks for one another, so thank you for doing that. Uh, it was a big deal. If you have your Bibles, turn to Exodus 17. We've been in this series on the names of God. More specifically, our series is called God Has a Name. And so today we're going to look at another one of his amazing and beautiful and glorious names. And we're going to find it in this incredible story, this account in Exodus 17. Brief bit of context, God's people have just been delivered out of slavery from Egypt. Uh, They spent 400 years at the tyrannical hands of the Egyptian empire and God has just delivered them so they haven't been liberated long they haven't been free that long and now they're about to have to engage in warfare this is significant because many of the people of Israel had never ever been in a war a day in their life sure they've pounded bricks and mud and clay but they've never pounded another soldier So now God's people, not being liberated for long, is going to have to step right back into a mess. 
And it's against an arch enemy, the Amalekites. They had it out for God's people. And so now the war has been waged and the battle is about to begin. And we pick up in verse 8. <clears throat> At Rephidim, Amalek came, against, <clears throat> came and fought against Israel. Moses said to Joshua, Select some men for us and go fight against Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand on the hilltop with God's staff in my hand. Joshua did as Moses had told him and fought against Amalek. While Moses, Aaron, and Hur went up to the top of the hill... While Moses held up his hand, Israel prevailed. But whenever he put his hand down, Amalek prevailed. When Moses' hand grew heavy, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat down on it. And then Aaron and Hur supported his hands, one on one side and one on the other side, so that his hand remained steady until the sun went down. So Joshua defeated Amalek and his army with the sword. The Lord then said to Moses, Write this down on a scroll as a reminder and recite it to Joshua. I will completely blot out the memory of Amalek under heaven. And Moses built an altar and named it, The Lord is my banner. Or Yahweh Nisi. He said, Indeed, my hand is lifted up toward the Lord's throne. The Lord will be at war with Amalek from generation to generation. Incredible, incredible story. So much to, to unpack in this incredible story. And so Moses is on this hill, and God's staff, which had become the symbol of power. Remember the staff. God had used this staff as a symbol of power as he wielded power against the Egyptians and freed the people from Israel, freed the people of Israel from Egypt. It was this amazing, this amazing symbol, this staff. And so the battle has been waged and Moses is on this hill and he raises this staff, this symbol of God's power, this, this symbol of God's presence, this symbol of God's victory. And he raises it high and as he has it raised high, the battle is being won. The Israelites are overcoming. But then as his arms grow tired, and won't you think it would just grow tired when you're handing it up like this, you're just holding it up there. And he's on this hill so all of the Israelites can see as they get discouraged, they see this, this staff that serves as a sort of banner. And it stirs this devotion and this adoration because they know what that staff means. They know that God used that staff to deliver them. They can certainly beat the Amalekites. They can do it. They see the staff, but when they can't see the staff, Amalek's army begins to win, and so Aaron and Hur, they know what's at stake. So they help Aaron take a seat, and they hold his arms up. They hold his arms up so that the staff of God that serves as the banner of God can be seen. See, the staff was their military banner. It was their standard. See, in the ancient armies... Ancient armies were always led by a banner. And it wasn't just a fabric banner. It was usually a, a banner that was formed and fashioned out of some sort of iron or metal or some sort of something that would, that would form a symbol. It could be a bird. It could be a wild animal. It could be a shield. It could be anything. And it was attached to this rod. And, and you've probably seen it in the movies. And so the leaders of the army would hold this banner up high. And you would see this banner, and it was designed in such a way that it would shimmer in the sun so that it would be seen from a great distance and seen from afar off. And the banner, it embodied the ideals of the people. 
The banner had something to say. It was a mark of an identification for the ancient army. And it served as a rallying point for the ancient army. And so as the ancient army is is ready to proceed in battle, whether it's the Persians or the Babylonians who were the first to use the banners, the military banners, they would see it ahead. They would see the shimmer. They would know what it stood for. And it would arouse devotion. It would arouse adoration. It would arouse a passion inside of them that would cause them to fight with all of their heart for their nation and for their nation's leader. Moses uses his staff as the Israelite army banner. The Israelites never fought in a battle before at this point. So the staff of God becomes the banner. But not just the staff of God itself, but what the staff stood for. It's what the staff embodied. And so when the battle is over, no wonder why Moses decides to erect this memorial that says, Yahweh Nisi, the Lord is my banner. See, in Moses' heart, in his mind, in the heart and minds of the Israelite people, when Moses was holding up the staff of God, he was holding up the power and presence of God himself. That was their banner. It was Moses holding it up, reassuring the people of God that victory is yours. Because of what you see here in my hands, Israelites. You see this staff. You know what God has done. You know who Yahweh is. And you know his power. And you know his majesty. And so when you see this, take heart, take courage, and fight with all your might and know that victory is yours. And they won. And they won. But they were tired. They were a tired, tired people. As a matter of fact, if you have your Bibles, turn to Deuteronomy 25 just for a moment. Because you can't, you can't forget. You can't forget the story. You can't forget the context that this was their first battle. I mean, they just stepped out of slavery and now they've got to fight for their life? Deuteronomy 25, as the Lord has given the law to the people of God long after the battle had taken place. He said, remember what the Amalekites did to you on the journey after you left Egypt. They met you along the way and attacked all your stragglers from behind when you were tired and weary. They did not fear God when you were tired and weary. See, we can't forget the story. The Israelite people were tired and weary. I mean, they were worn out. They were just liberated. They haven't even had a chance to catch their breath. And now they have to fight a battle? Isn't life like that? I mean, you, you step out of the drama, you step out of a crisis just to find yourself in another crisis again you get over the flu just to find two weeks later you have a stomach virus you finally overcome the financial obstacle and then you find out you need a new rod in your engine for your car 
You come out of this marriage situation and this marriage struggle just to find out your child is acting out again. That becomes just another thing to have to argue about. I mean, isn't life like that? You, you just find yourself liberated from something. You're, you're weary and you're tired and now all of a sudden there's this new battle you have to fight. And so times like that, when you feel like you can hardly breathe, much less get ahead, it's two steps forward, three steps back. I don't know about you, but I need Yahweh Nisi. You know what I'm saying? I need to know that God has a name. And that name changes things. See, I need to know at that point that Yahweh Nisi, the Lord, is my banner. That He is the one who embodies everything that I am. He is my hope. He embodies all that I am, all that I could ever be. He knew the situation long before it was going to happen because He was Yahweh. He's my rallying point. He's my banner. I know what He's done. I've read it in Scripture. And at this point, I just, I need to hold him up. I need somebody to hold him up. I need to hold him up above everything that I see on some hilltop of my life. And I need to look at him and I need to, I need to put my eyes on him and I need to think, this, this is my victory. Despite the fact that I'm worn out and tired, this is life and this is how life is sometimes. But Yahweh wasn't taken by surprise. And so then he becomes my banner. He becomes your banner through which you focus on and you remember who you are through him and through his power. But see, too often we're too busy focusing on the next crisis. Our eyes aren't up, our eyes are down. If our eyes are up, we can lift up our hands as Moses and we can remember Despite the circumstance, despite the context of our lives, Yahweh is still Nisi. He is still your banner. He is still your power. He is still your victory. Now, now you've got to keep in mind the story. The Israelites didn't stop fighting. They didn't take a coffee break in the middle of the battle because the banner was held high. They had to gauge. They had to wage through it. They had to engage it and fight through it. But they knew. They knew who was going to give them victory. And you know how they knew? Because they remembered. See, this changes things. That name, Yahweh Nisi, changes things for you and me. If we let it. Either we believe it like Moses and hold up our staff calling upon his name. Or we don't. Either we believe him and remember what he's done, or we don't. Listen to the rest of the text, Deuteronomy 25, verse 19. When the Lord your God gives you rest from all the enemies around you in the land the Lord your God has given you to possess as an inheritance, blot out the memory of Amalek under heaven. Three words. Do not forget. See, we must remember we must remember that Yahweh Nisi. We must remember the Lord is our banner. We must remember we can't forget. We must remember who He is and what He's done. We must remember and not grow, and please, please hear me on this, not grow spiritually lazy or not grow slack or not grow unintentional in our faith, church. 
We can't set back on our laurels and think, well, everything's good right now. Everything's fine right now. Because then when life wakes up or when life surrounds you and all of a sudden you find yourself 10 steps from a battle and you're weary and tired because you, 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 failed, you, you failed to look at Yahweh Nisi when things were good because we grew spiritually lazy or, or we grew unintentional in our faith, then we're going to be weary and tired and, and we're going to have to fight through the battle. And if I'm not careful, I'm not going to fight the battle well because I'm not going to have my eyes on the banner of God. I'm not going to have my eyes on the Lord himself, on Yahweh Nisi. I'm going to forget. I'm going to forget Yahweh Nisi. And I'm going to start thinking, Fred is Nisi. I'm going to start thinking, I can do it. I'm going to start thinking, I can make it happen. I'm going to start thinking, I can take four more jobs. I'm going to start thinking, I can do this. I can do that. I can do it in my own strength. And I'm going to fail to remember that I still have to fight. But the victory is not mine to secure. It's Yahweh Nisi. But see, here's, what, here's what's said. We must not forget we must remember. We must remember what the Lord has done in His Word. We must remember who the Lord has revealed Himself to be despite our circumstances. Don't you know, don't you have a lot of Job's friends when life gets difficult? You know what I'm saying? People who tell you all about God, like they become makeshift prophets all of a sudden. And they start telling you all the theological you know, nuances to what's going on in your life right now. And we start listening to them and we start failing to live in to the very plain and very simple at times and very complicated. Just who does God say that he is? I, I love that Randy has a, has a faith and a, and a good faith and a strong faith and he knows who Yahweh is in his life. He knows who Jesus is but, but when life surrounds me and I'm in the middle of the battle, I need to listen to Randy's voice but I need to go and listen to the voice of the Lord himself and remember who he is. Remember who he says he is. Not just who he's been in your life and in your testimony, because your life and your testimony is your life and your testimony. I need to remember who the Lord himself is. I need to remember Yahweh Nisi. I need to go to Exodus 17 and remember who the Lord reveals himself to be. I need to remember. I need not forget. See, because remembering is where you lead your hope. It's where you leave your hope. It's where you find your hope. What you remember, what you set your mind on is where you find your hope to be. If you remember that time in your life where you overcame that obstacle, you're going to remember you overcame it and you're going to say, I can overcome it again. And that may be true. But if you remember that the Lord gave you victory, you'll remember that the Lord will give you victory this time around. And I'll tell you, that changes how you fight the battle. Remembering or thinking that I'm the one who won it, or remember or thinking that it is God the one, God is the one who won it, changes how I fight the battle. We must remember. We must believe. This is a very simple, very simple conversation to engage in this weekend. We must believe. But here's the hard part. Believing in Yahweh is much easier than believing Yahweh. You catch that? See, it's easy to believe in God. It's harder to believe God. To believe Him for what He says is true about Himself. To believe Him for what He says is true about you. 
to believe him for what he says is true about the world when the rest of the world is going wherever it's going. It's easy to believe in God. It's harder to believe him. Take a seasoned Christ follower, one who's lived in the kingdom of God for 60, 70 years and seen the death of their children or the death of their spouse and ask them if they believe in God or if they believe God. And you will learn that these are people who have at the hardest battles of life held their arms up and held their hands up high, proclaimed that Yahweh is my banner, that the Lord is my banner, that the blood-stained cross and the empty tomb is my banner, that what the blood-stained cross provides and what the empty tomb means is my banner. And they fought that battle, and they fought that battle, and they saw God bring them victory because Though that tragedy happened in their life, 60 years later, they have a smile on their face and joy in their heart, and they're still with the Lord, and you'll find that they didn't just believe in Yahweh. They didn't just believe in Jesus. They believed Him. And the only way we really can believe is if we remember. We must remember that the Lord is our banner. We must remember that there is a blood-stained cross. We must remember that there is an empty tomb. And if we remember, we won't find ourselves spiritually lazy. We won't find ourselves unintentional in our faith. We won't say things like, well, it's just one day that I miss. We won't say things like, well, I'll I'll do that for God next time. See, because when you are with the Lord the presence of the Lord, actively serving the Lord, when you're even with His people, it becomes easier to remember than when you're alone. We must remember so that we can do more than believe in Yahweh, believe in Jesus, so that we can actually believe Yahweh, so we can actually believe Jesus. There was this lady, her name was Sister Frances, and I'd just become associate minister at this church, and first ministry work ever. I don't know how old I was. And I didn't know her that well. I'd been at this church for several years, but I spent the majority of the time as a church as a blatant hypocrite because I was in college at that time and coming out of college. And so I didn't really pay attention to the family of God in this church at that that. that closely and so I didn't know Sister Frances that well but I knew she had cancer and so every day I went to go see her every day every day I don't know why I just did it every day I went to go see her because I found that this woman her body was just was shriveling up and her heart was growing though her body was shrinking and and it just it took me by surprise as a early 20s sort of year old kid that that this woman she didn't have any family visiting her. The only ones that visited her were me and a couple of other people from the church around my age. And, and yet she still had this joy in her heart. I didn't understand it. And finally, one day, I just had to ask. I just had to ask, how, how are you living this way? And she looked at me and she said, I believe Jesus and he and I are like this. And I'll never forget it. She didn't just believe in him. She said, I believe him. I believe that when he said that there's a mansion for me, I'm just changing neighborhoods. 
And I remember towards the last two days of her life, she got very, very well. And I had this hope, because I would really loved this woman. And it was like suddenly, the life left her body. I had the privilege of doing her funeral. And I'll never forget her. Because her and Jesus were like that. In the face of sickness and death. Yahweh Nisi for Sister Francis. Jesus was her banner. And she didn't just believe in him. She believed him. She believed that because there was an empty tomb that there would be an empty grave. And that changed how she lived her life. We must not forget. We must remember. Because here's the reality of our world. The Amalekites are still pursuing God's people, church. You know, not not a literal army called the Amalekites, but the battle rages on. Listen to what Paul said in Ephesians, and we've read this text before, but Ephesians 6, 12. Go, Go ahead, one. Ephesians 6, 12, where Paul said, For our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the world powers of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavens. See, the battle still rages on. The Amalekites are still waging war. And this can't be lost on you. This isn't some highfalutin religious mumbo-jumbo. This is the truth and the reality of the world. The truth and reality of the world is that there's a battle for your heart and it rages on. And the battle's not going to be you and against me. The battle's not you and your spouse or you and your kids. You guys may have to fight the battle there. There may have to be a fight there. But it's a different kind of reason you fight. See, the reason we fight is because we know what's really at stake. We know that the battle's not flesh and blood, it's a battle for your heart. What's kept me from fighting church people and fighting other people more and more times than not, and don't get me wrong, I've raged the wrong wars and I've forgotten at times that the battle's flesh and blood, is just remembering that if Neil's coming against me, I know the truth. I know that the battle's not me and Neil no matter what's going on here. And so instead of just fighting it this way and fighting it this way, I'm fighting it this way. And that changes things. And I tell you it changes things because there have been times where I didn't fight it this way. There have been times where I fought it this way. And you know what happened as a result of that? Heartache. Sin. The battle's not flesh and blood. It's against the enemy. Culture's not the enemy. Your spouse isn't the enemy. Your kids aren't the enemy. The economy's not the enemy. Politics isn't the enemy. The enemy is the enemy. Look at what Peter had to say, 1 Peter 5. 1 Peter 5, verse 8 and 9. He said, be serious. Be alert. It's another way of him saying, remember. Your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion, looking for anyone he can devour. Resist him and be firm in the faith, knowing that the same sufferings are being experienced by your fellow believers throughout the world. Remember, somehow, some way, in the spiritual realm, the devil is prowling around like a roaring lion, and he's looking for anyone he can swallow up. Anyone. And I want you to remember, he's talking to Christians here. 
Paul wrote to Christians, Peter's writing to Christians, Christ followers, people who have Yahweh as their banner through the blood of the cross and an empty tomb. We have Jesus as our banner, and he's saying, you need to be reminded, you need to be reminded that the battle is real. Look at what Galatians 5, 16 through 17 said. It's because sometimes the battle just simply rages on inside of us. I'm not the kind of guy, and I've said this before, I don't see the devil in my toaster when my toaster breaks down. I do believe in the spiritual battle. I do believe that the enemy is walking around like a roaring lion, but I'm also aware that there's a battle inside of me. I say then, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh. For the flesh desires what is against the Spirit, and the Spirit desires what is against the flesh. These are opposed to each other so that you don't do what you want to do. There is a tug of war in my heart. There's a tug of war to follow Jesus or to follow myself. There's a tug of war to look at Yahweh and hold my hands up high as Yahweh is my banner, or to focus immediately on my context and circumstance and lower the banner and then lose the battle. There's a context here, and there's a war in my heart, and that is the context. There's a battle. Sometimes all Satan has to do is wake us up in the morning and we can take it over from there. Because there's a battle right in here too. But it's hard to walk by the flesh when Yahweh Nisi. When you have your arms up high and you're calling on the name of the Lord. You walk by the Spirit. We remember We remember that God and Jesus Christ loves us and lives inside of us and wants to empower us. We remember, we remember that the fruit of the Spirit is still love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness and self-control. We remember that it's still the fruit of the Spirit. We remember what God says is true about you as his daughter. If you are a child of God, don't let this be lost on you. This is not Middle Ages. This is not fairy tale. You are the daughter or the son of the King. Of the king. And that changes things. And if we are tired and weary like the Israelites, we remember. And we raise our hands like Moses. And if we struggle, if you struggle to raise your hands like Moses, then here's what you do. You go ahead and make a phone call to your Aaron and your her. And see if they can come to your rescue and help you hold your hands up high. My question to you is, who is your Aaron and your her? See, because what happens in the church is when we start to lower our hands and Yahweh is still our banner, but we're stopped, we stop focusing on Yahweh as our banner. We climb into a hole and we do not allow the help of Aaron and her in our life. I have lots of Aaron's and her's in my life. Fortunately, they're not named her. But you're going to meet one of them, Discipleship Weekend, Milton Jones. He's an errand for me. One of these days, you'll meet my best friend out of Texas, Gabe. He's a banner for me. He's, he's an errand for me. I'll tell you right now, Allison is both Aaron and her for me. Some of you have become Aaron's and hers for me. See, because there are times when you're holding it up and you just get tired. There are times when you know, you're sitting there and you're like, I know there's a bloodstained cross and I know there's an empty tomb, but I've been holding that thing up forever and I'm just tired. You know what? We'll bring you a stone. Have a seat. I'll take an arm. And your other brother and sister in the Lord will take an arm. 
and we'll fight. You got to fight your battle. I'll do everything I can. I'll hold you up. See, it's Romans 12. It's the way the church is supposed to work. And I know I say this every week, but it's, church is not an event. You know, it's not a one-time gathering. If this is the only time we see you, and please give me some grace, but this is, this, this is the truth. If this is the only time you ever see people in this room, then you could possibly be leaving out your Aaron and hers in your life, your spiritual Aaron and hers. That's why we have small groups. That's why we have gatherings. why we do things together. It's not about activity. It's about developing deeper Aaron and hers so that when we're fighting the battles that we know exist, everything changes for us as a church. Because Yahweh Nisi. And because Yahweh Nisi sometimes means I need you and you need me. God is the one who's given us the victory in Jesus, but sometimes we need each other. We need each other. That's what God... Design. He said in verse 9 of Romans chapter 12, Love must be without hypocrisy, detest evil, cling to what is good, show family affection to one another with brotherly love, outdo one another in showing honor, do not lack diligence, be fervent in spirit, serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope, be patient in affliction, be persistent in prayer, share with the saints in their needs, pursue hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Be in agreement with one another. Do not be proud. Instead, associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Do not repay evil for evil. Try to do what is honorable in everyone's eyes. If possible, on your part, live at peace with everyone. Friends, do not avenge yourselves. Instead, leave room for His wrath. Talking about the Lord's wrath. For it is written, vengeance belongs to me. I will repay, says the Lord. But if your enemy is hungry, feed him. And this is so opposite of how we live in our world. If he is thirsty, give him something to drink. For in doing so... You will be heaping fiery coals on his head. Verse 21, do not be conquered by evil, but conquer evil with good. See, there are times in your life where you're going to need Aaron and her. But if you're not present with Aaron and her, Aaron and her can't help like Aaron and her would like. We've got to be together, church. We're a family here. We don't need church attenders. We need people who are the church. Because you know why? Because life is too stinking hard sometimes. The battle is real. Yahweh Nisi all the time for eternity. And there are times where I can't see him. And I need you to hold him up for me so I can see him clearly. And then God calls us to conquer this evil with good. See, and I think that's the trick. Conquer evil with good. Conquer evil with good. Well, that changes things. Because conquering evil with good means conquering evil with more than just Bible studies, more than just words, more than just right answers, more than just church attendance, more than just, act, more than just those kind of things. Conquering evil with good is to conquer evil with action. See, because this changes how we see the world now. Because we know how it changes how we see each other. But to conquer evil with good means we take a look at what's broken in the world and we conquer it with good. And we do it together. 
and we hold Yahweh and Nisi up, we hold the banner up for a broken city. When we went to Grove yesterday, that was our frail attempt to conquer evil with good, even but for four hours. Because conquering evil with good means it has to have action. God's community of people are to conquer evil with good, and good means action. We can't just talk about it on Sunday. We can't just be convicted by a sermon or two. It has to change how we live with one another in the presence of the world. How we live with one another in the presence of the world. We engage because the battle is real. We believe it. I close with this text. 1 Corinthians 1. Because we are a people who claim to follow a man who wouldn't stay dead. We are a people who claim to be members of the kingdom of God who serve and are adored by the king of heaven and earth who has every victory at his disposal, every victory at his hand. We are a people who glory and boast, not in ourselves, not in the errands and the hers, but we boast in the message of the cross because we know that the message of the cross is the Lord's banner over us. Verse 18, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but it is God's power to us who are being saved. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and I will set aside the understanding of the experts. Where is the philosopher? Where is the scholar? Where is the debater of this age? Hasn't God made the world's wisdom foolish? For since in God's wisdom the world did not know God through wisdom, God was pleased to save those who believed through the foolishness of the message preached. For the Jews ask for signs and the Greeks seek wisdom, but we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles. Yet to those who are being called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is God's power and God's wisdom because God's foolishness is wiser than human wisdom and God's weakness is stronger than human strength. See, I realize that you could hear this message and you could come to a place and you could say this isn't practical enough. Remember. Just remember. Remember the blood-stained cross and the empty tomb. Remember it every moment of every day if you have to. Remember it through your prayers and your supplications and your crying out to God. Remember it in your praises. Remember it as much as you can. Put it on a post-it note if you need to. Remember it through reading it in the Word. Remember it through calling a brother or sister in Christ who remembers it too. And let Him help you. Remember it. And realize that it's foolishness to the world. It's an absurdity to the world. It's absurd to think that a blood-stained cross and an empty tomb, God made flesh, dying for the ones who messed it up, could really provide the victory. But it's the truth. See, Paul said it's the message of the cross that is our power. The message of the cross is our power. The message of the cross is Yahweh's banner over us. The message of the cross that says, we are no longer of this world. We are children of the kingdom of God. We serve a king over all creation. He sees what we cannot see. He knows what we do not know. 
And that king of all creation, for whatever reason, has chosen to love you. And he's chosen to love me. And he's not just chosen to love me by simply saying he loved me. He himself conquered evil with good. He himself did what it took to conquer the evil and the brokenness of this world. He himself gave up his own right to be God for a moment, to come and as God live fully as man and die in your place and my place. And then he as God didn't just stay dead. He overcame death three days later when he left the tomb empty, when he resurrected from the grave. And when he resurrected from the grave, he made a promise. And he said, anyone who believes me Anyone who trusts me will have my power living inside of them through the presence of my spirit. And then my Holy Spirit will, will, will produce in them love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and faithfulness. Yes, and faithfulness and self-control even in the midst of all of the battles. And by the way, My people who are called by my name do not live life on their own anymore. They live life together. So when they struggle to live into the power that I've given them as people of the kingdom of God, then I will send them an Aaron and a Her to hold them up so they will know that I am still their banner. And that changes everything. And it's because of Yahweh Nisi. Let's pray.